1: That's right. Another week and another big division matchup for this Eagles team as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 79. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films as we break down what, honestly, was one of the toughest losses of my time here with the Eagles from last Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of missed opportunities for this team on both sides of the ball and something that Greg and I will break down before we get into the New York Giants and the challenges they will present the Eagles this Sunday. Next up, we've got scouting report where I want to talk about a player that the Giants are using in a role that perfectly suits his skill set, allowing him to be more productive than I would have anticipated for that defense we have got a ton to get into so let's not waste any time Greg and I talk Eagles Cowboys before we get into everything you need to know about Sunday's matchup against the Giants let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk let's get down to business it's time for Chalk Talk Joining me once again on Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, welcome to week nine here at the Novacare Complex. Very tough loss. You and I were here uh, entirely too late at the Novacare Complex on, uh, on Sunday night for the overtime loss against the Dallas Cowboys. You had some time, a couple hours to get some sleep uh, and watch the game early Monday morning. What were your initial thoughts going back and watching the Eagles offense against Dallas?
0: yeah I mean watching the offense and, and I think it's it 's going to be interesting going forward, friend, because the offense seemingly by design is is very condensed now there 's a play here and there uh where they they attempt to have some some intermediate routes and some verticality, but there 's not much of that at all now we can debate why that that 's open for conversation i mean they 're playing with probably an O-line at this point that would probably, by NFL standards, maybe be average or just above average. We know about the wide receivers. They'd probably be considered somewhat below average by NFL standards. They are playing with a rookie quarterback, no matter how smart he might be. He's a rookie quarterback. Um, So there's probably numerous reasons, but in this game in particular, they really didn't have many routes that had
1: intermediate and vertical elements to them. The one thing that stood out, yeah, and the, one, and the one thing too that stood out to me, and obviously, look, this is something that we've talked about over the last couple of years, is they had opportunities to ex- expand their lead. They had opportunities to pick up extra yardage. Drops obviously were an issue, but also just missed opportunities. You know, the, there was the uh, and Wentz, I thought, probably had his best game since before the buy. Uh, I don't know if you if you would agree in terms of uh, the Detroit, the loss to Detroit, right. the game against Washington. Minnesota, I thought it was probably his best game overall in terms of his ball placement, his accuracy. Uh, You saw some plays where he was moving defenders with his eyes, uh, especially in the short game, but... uh you know, the the one play that stands out to me, the the double screen where they had Josh Huff. They sent him to the left. They had Darren Sproles working the screen to the right. was set up beautifully. It was going to be a big play. And he threw it too low. And he threw, yeah. threw it too low. Yeah. You know, you, you, and that was a play that they hooked, connected on for right. a huge play against Pittsburgh uh, back in week three here at Lincoln Financial Field. It's just some of those missed opportunities. And they'll look that at that made. and think. And, again, you
0: can always debate philosophy. And... When teams are winning, there's never a discussion about philosophy. When teams are losing, there's always a discussion about philosophy. And like you said, they ran a similar play against Pittsburgh, and it went. I think it was the third play of the game or the second play of the game, and it went for yards. 40 yards. Yep. Um, but I will say this. I think in this league, it's, it's hard to sustain offense consistently and therefore win consistently unless somehow, by design, you're attempting to push the ball down the field somewhere along the line. It's going to – look, and they can say, hey, hey, we scored 23 points on the road. Tough game. We should have won for reasons unrelated to our offense. You can always justify, and, and sometimes it's true. But the bottom line point is the longest pass completion in the game was 14 yards. Very hard in this league to win that way.
1: So there were a couple plays where they did try to uh, try to go downfield. You know, there was the – uh, there was the deep shot play that was called. I think it was fourth quarter where it was off play action. They I kept, remember it. So it was seven-man protection, and Zach Ertz gets held up in press right, coverage. There it. was the scissors route uh, that they ran that he ended up checking down to Darren Sproles where you had Zach Ertz running a corner. I think it was Nelson Aguilar running a post. Were you
0: talk- But that was on the touchdown drive. Yes. Was a couple of plays before. Now, see, there was a play where I thought that Carson was a little impatient. There was no pressure at all on, on him in the pocket, and I th- thought that should have been a touchdown to Zach Ertz.
1: The, you're thinking of the uh, that one I just said the 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 scissors route. Correct. Yeah, it was
0: basically a three level stretch, a condensed three level stretch because the ball was on, I believe, the twenty yard line yep. or the twenty one yard line.
1: Did you think that? So when I watched that play, I saw it was a it was a cover two look at that the, that safety in the midfield. Did you so think you're asking he was,
0: me did he not pick up the the late rotation? Did, and you th- did he not recognize it as cover three? Yeah, that's what I and only know. and only Carson could answer of that course. question. Um, but what it became, obviously, they started in a two shell and then they did a late rotation either right before the snap or just at the snap and it became cover 3. So one of the safeties basically became uh, the flat def- or uh, for one, you know the flat yeah, defender. Yeah, the call yeah, defender. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So uh, but given that it did become cover 3 and given that there was no pressure on him in the pocket, my sense was you have to read that. Now, maybe he maybe that didn't register.
1: What goes into having a? And people say, you know, oh, it's play calling. Oh, it's the quarterback. It's the receivers. Everyone wants to know a one reason well, that's why. N- that's never the case, of course. So, that's right. what, so explain yeah. to us all the different factors <laughs> that go into any one vertical shot play downfield in the NFL. Well,
0: normally, if you call what we call a shot play, it's normally on first and ten or a normal down and distance situation where you have a very good feel based on film study of what the defense's tendency is in that situation, and the situation being not just the down and distance, but the fact that you're likely to line up in some form of base personnel, some form of formation that, by formation, dictates the coverage that you're anticipating. So you know from film study that, let's say, you line up in a balanced 12 set with a tight end on each side and two wide receivers on the outside and a single back, you may know from film study that your opponent plays quarters to that. So what you call is a quarters-beater route concept. You may know that, hey, if you line up in 21 personnel, which the Eagles don't necessarily, but, I mean, in a formation like that with maybe someone in the backfield or, or sort of a wing tight end, that you're going to get cover three. Then you call a cover three route beater. So... That's what you do to try to create shot plays is it's all based on tendency and probability of what you anticipate from the defense based on your personnel, your formation, and then you can design intermediate and vertical route concepts to break down that anticipated coverage.
1: Yeah, it it seemed like and it was interesting because it seemed like that there were a a bunch of their uh, shot plays, their vertical plays were cover three beaters in in what they had called uh in that game. So it was just really interesting to see, you know, what happened on a play by play basis. Like you said, there weren't many of them. There no. were only there were only a handful. Uh but just looking at those instances and seeing what happened to cause the ball to not be thrown vertical. It was something different every time. So. And you know
0: you could say you could make the argument that their offense did show some sustaining qualities. Um and they, they each week, it seems they run the ball sort of quietly but effectively. I mean, obviously, Sproles this week was the number one ball carrier. I think he had 15 rushes. For uh, I know he had over 80 yards rushing. Yep. Um, you know, so they run the ball sort of quietly but effectively. But it's just hard to in this league to consistently go 12, 13, 14 plays against good defenses. You know, and and look, we talked the week before when they beat Minnesota. The nature of that game with the Eagles' defense just shutting down. Totally, the Vikings offense made that game a little different than your normal NFL game. You know, last night um, or, or Sunday night against the, uh, the Cowboys, overall, I thought their defense played well. But it's, it's, you know, the Cowboys have a lot of weapons on offense, as we right. know, yep. a really good O-line. And it's hard to shut down a team with that many weapons and that strong an O-line for four quarters.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it certainly was a big test for both sides of the football. We'll talk about what we thought of the defensive performance as well. But real quick, when you look at the run game, let's talk about the offensive line. What did what did you see from the guys up front in this game against Dallas? I thought they
0: played well. Uh, in fact, we, you and I were talking about Vitae at right tackle. I thought he actually played very well. There were a number of outside runs, tosses, just outside runs where he was a puller. He looked really athletic, moved very, very well. You know, I was watching him pretty much on every play, and – uh again i'm not grading him like the coaches are so i'm sure he didn't get a plus grade on every play but there were no glaring bad plays i didn't think so anyway It didn't um, see I, no. I went
1: i actually went back today earlier today tuesday uh and watched every snap just focusing on Vita yeah, just to see what i saw you didn't see
0: any glaring bit ba- right
1: yeah he had a couple of plays yeah. where he ended up on the ground you know obviously it wasn't a positive like you said on every right. single play but overall it was i thought he for didn't sure short circuit the game.
0: offense no let's put it that way um and obviously they had the change when Barber got hurt in the first quarter and Wisniewski came in. But overall, I thought the, the, offense, the offensive line played well. Um, I think the Cowboys' D line is it's certainly not one of the best in the league. It's, it, they, it's a deep rotation. They play a lot of players. But uh, I thought the, the Eagles' offensive line handled them pretty well.
1: Yeah, it was certainly interesting uh, going back and watching. I wanted to see also how, how Wisniewski did. A uh, couple of really good yeah. you know, double-team blocks along with Jason Peters working up to the second level. And then the, you mentioned Vitae. It's interesting, Greg, when you watch young players and you see them start early. You know, you, so you think back to Vitae in his first game against Washington. And, and I mean, for all intents and purposes, not a good performance. How guys can settle in, and you can just see them play with more confidence. Where you're, they're not, uh, they're not as fluttered. When you know, when you watch a guy like Vitae, when he's dropping him back into his pass. set, his feet aren't aren't as no. hectic and aren't as hurried. He as looks they were settled. On you know, Sunday. again,
0: I, we're not going to sit here and say he's on his way to being an all pro. Sure, but he started. I mean, this game in now, now doesn't mean he he's not going to play against a really good player coming up and and not have a great game. That's the way it works. Um, um, you know, this week he'll get uh, Pierre Paul and Vernon, guys capable of making you look bad, and he may look bad at times, but he looked a little more settled in this game.
1: Yeah, which was certainly good to see. Uh, let's go over to the defensive side, Greg. And it was—I was really interested to see. Obviously, you had the, the different things you wanted to watch offensively, but I was anxious to watch the defense Monday morning, just because I thought overall watching the game, sure, there were some big plays that they gave up. But overall, I thought the defense performed pretty well, and we saw the pressure that they were able to get on Dak Prescott. didn't always work out uh, to be sacks like they were the week before against Sam Bradford, uh, but the pressure certainly was ramped up again on the rookie quarterback. Yeah, they,
0: they, again, blitzed a good amount.
1: More than any team has blitzed Prescott all year.
0: Yeah, and, and what was really interesting was they had six snaps of what we call zero blitz where there was the middle was open, there was no safety. They matched up man-to-man, and they blitzed.
1: How many times have you seen Jim Schwartz do that? Uh, during I mean, I work? don't think
0: that's been his M.O.
1: No, that's from what I've seen, yeah.
0: So, you know, obviously they felt it comfortable doing it in this game. They did nothing special with Des Bryant, who I don't think, by the way, looked like he moved great, but the point is they did nothing special. They didn't really do anything special for Jason Witten, as we've seen Eagles teams do yeah, in the past. That's a good point, yeah. So... They just pretty much lined up and played, and uh, I thought overall they played pretty well.
1: There weren't, there weren't designated doubles really on, no. on Beasley? that's not, I, didn't, no. I actually didn't even think about that.
0: No. That's and a good they, point. Yeah, they played um, nickel. Uh, I think they played one snap of dime that I remember, uh, but they played all nickel pretty much, and what they did is they kind of rotated Jenkins and Jalen Mills in the slot. I tried to get a feel for how they were doing that, but... Then it kind of went out the window, so I didn't worry about that anymore because <laughs> right. I thought maybe they were playing the big nickel with Jenkins in this slot on normal down and distance, and then I got to a lot of first downs and normal down and distance where it was Mills in the slot, and I said, okay, that's out the window. Let's just watch.
1: <laughs> Let's not waste my time <laughs> trying right. to figure out <laughs> right. to chart this. Right. Uh, it, w- it was interesting just seeing how they were deploying – Uh, the guys in the secondary. You mentioned all the different pressure schemes, and it wasn't just the cover zero, but also the way that they pressured empty. Uh, Lots of different zone blitzes as well. You saw a couple overloads, some zone exchanges as well. Uh, The same blitz that they used to get Nigel Bradham a sack a week ago. They ran on the very last play regulation. Ended up being Connor Barwin that came free. Uh, He was unblocked as Tyron Smith blocked Nigel Bradham. Uh, So it was interesting seeing all the the variety of blitzes as well.
0: Yeah, And we did chart the blitzes, and and just the way we charted it anyway is there were 13 of them, and six were zero, six they wow. played cover one, and only one did they play zone. So basically they were man blitzes. 12 of the 13 were man blitzes. What's that tell you? Well, I mean, you don't do that if you don't feel comfortable matching up. If you think you're going to get burned on the perimeter, you don't... Certainly, you don't go zero.
1: Yeah. That, that's, that, that's, I was, yeah. that's really surprising. I mean, now, the other thing it might tell you
0: is they felt that Prescott, you know, and he's a rookie too. I mean, you know, a lot of people have him in the Hall of Fame, but he's a rookie. And, you know, I thought they got him off his game. No I question. thought he was uncomfortable at times. He missed some throws that you have to make. And and it comes back to what you asked me. Maybe they felt that they could do that to him, that no one had really taking a shot at it, and we know how Jim Schwartz feels. He's got a little arrogance in him, and maybe he felt, you know what, this guy's a rookie quarterback. We're going to make him have to see some things he hasn't seen, and we're going to have to make him play faster.
1: What did you think of the guys uh, up front going up against this Dallas offensive line? Uh, Fletcher Cox in particular going up against Zach Martin, Travis Frederick up front. You know, I thought Cox played
0: pretty well. I mean, you know, Elliott had some very good outside zone runs with great vision and great patience. And, you know, I those were good runs. I thought he got through some small cracks. I thought as I said he showed great vision, but I didn't think this old line, excuse me, their D line was consistently moved. No. You know, I, I didn't and they did what we talked about last week if you noticed. Did you notice how the linebackers, they did not play laterally? Got they, they got downhill, and even on the outside zone runs, yes, you have to move laterally to some degree, but they moved laterally on a downhill angle. They didn't just flow with the plays.
1: Yeah, and then you saw a couple times where uh, that erased some of the double teams. Yep. You saw them get into the backfield unhindered. Yep. Uh, it was really, really good to see the the linebackers carry that play over from Minnesota yep. into this game. It certainly was not the same. You know, And look, Ezekiel is a great player. You got to see him break off a couple of runs, but at no point watching it did I think – you know, even going back to that Washington game, like man, they, they, they gotta, control, they've got the defense on those They deals. didn't control no. the game
0: running the football. No, they certainly I mean he not. ended up with ninety seven yards, I think, on twenty one carries, which is a nice almost five yards a carry, and the numbers are good. But as you watch the game and, and obviously we watched it live and we both watched it on tape, I there was never a time I felt like they were controlling the game running the ball.
1: No, certainly not. And you saw uh, really strong play, like you said, from linebacker Jordan Hicks, Nigel Brown. Michael Kendricks, is, uh, two weeks in a row, uh, is playing at a pretty high level. Let me ask you a question. We talked about Fletcher Cox. How did Bo Allen, Destiny Vio look to you uh, playing in place of uh, Benny Logan, who was out of this game? How did those guys look inside?
0: There were a couple of plays, and I, I think it was Vio, where he got moved pretty good with double teams. And, uh, uh, you know, Bo Allen is one of those strange players because he's, you know, he doesn't look the part. But I, I think he he hangs in there and plays pretty tough, you know. I think I, I think at the end of the day he's a rotational, which is what he's meant to be. Obviously, Benny Logan is has you know is, has missed games. Is he due to play this week? Uh, we know?
1: I, I think it's kind of a week to week thing. I guess we'll find out. As right, Doug Peterson has his press conference Wednesday. Right, uh, we'll find out more
0: because uh, I think they miss Logan clearly. I mean, Logan was having a tremendous year. Um but I think I think Allen has played well in his role. This was the the first week where I thought Vio, you know, and playing more snaps that he struggled a little bit.
1: So as, as we transition into this game against New York, uh, and you look at this New York Giants offense, obviously Ben McAdoo, the head coach, him coming from uh, from Green Bay previously as the offensive coordinator there, or as the quarterbacks coach there, became the offensive coordinator in New York and was promoted to head coach. Give us the the rundown for those who have not studied the New York Giants. What do you expect from them when you watch them offensively?
0: Well, this is an offense that has some issues. Their O-line isn't very good, and they can't run the ball. And that's always a problem in the NFL, those two things. Now, from a pass game perspective, you you and I have talked about them for years, well, since McAdoo's been there, and he came from Green Bay. So their foundation is the slant flat or the slant slide. That's where they start, and they work off that. And then they have a lot of inside routes, whether they're sit routes or, you know, seam routes with the tight end. But they really start with the slant, flat, or slant slide concept. And, and you have to be careful because if they hit Odell Beckham in stride, he then has run after catchability. That's where their offense starts. It's quick game. It's It's a lot of quick game. The ball comes out, which leads to a very interesting question. We've seen the Eagles up their blitz frequency quite a bit the last two weeks against Bradford and against the Cowboys, will they do the same thing this week against an offense that's a lot of quick game? Because the last thing you want to do is waste players who are not going to get to the quarterback.
1: And it'll be interesting, too, because I know Eli, his numbers against the Blitz have not been very good this year either. and I don't
0: think he's played great this year, to be honest with you. I think, I know you've looked at some, I've seen pretty much every game on tape, and I think he's been a little skittish in the pocket. I think he's you know, falling away from a lot of throws. I think he's missed throws that are there with inaccurate throws. I don't think he's played at a high level this year.
1: 53.6% completion, four picks and a sack, a 562 quarterback rating for Eli Manning against the Blitz right. so far this year. Which, so.
0: again, Jim Schwartz will, and staff will know that, which leads you to believe they'll Blitz. Now, I think it, the blitz is this week, in my opinion, I don't think you'll see zero. Like they did last week, I, I think you'll similar, see more similar to two weeks ago. That's what I think. I think you'll see the safer blitzes. The blitzes, like when Rodney McLeod came with Michael Kendricks on that play, and the, and, and McLeod was able to to uh, hit Bradford's arm and, and the fumble. That was a safe blitz. It was a trap concept. It ended up being three on two on both you know both sides. So that's a safe blitz. But yet they were able to overload and and the timing and speed with which both Kendricks and McLeod came on that blitz were just tremendous.
1: One of my takeaways watching this Giants offense and, and also the Green Bay offense, whenever, because it feels like every year we play the Packers. Uh, so I've gotten a chance to kind of study this scheme uh, every year. Obviously, not as much as you have. But uh, like you said, very much f- the foundation is the quick game. Right. And what I've always found is that they do such a good job of complementing those quick game concepts with double moves off of that yes whether it's the sluggo off the slant routes whether it's uh, stick nods off of sticks and those stick routes might come from the tight ends which you usually see or from a slot receiver it might be odell beckham lined up as number three saw beckham run
0: stick nods and and just kill defenders
1: yeah and so it's those double moves uh they almost lull you to sleep with the the slants and the you know the slant flat and double slant and stick and uh all those concepts and then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's a double move, and Odell right. Beckham's going 84 yards for a touchdown. Right,
0: right, and we, we saw that. You know, you and I talked about this play last year. They did that on our Monday night game, people might remember, against the Miami Dolphins with Sluggo, slant and go, off their basic slant flat concept. I think the other player you have to be very conscious of is Sterling Shepard. He's a really good slot receiver, and if you play man, he's which the Eagles you know play a lot of man now, a lot more than maybe we than we thought they would earlier this season, but they play a lot of man. And whether it's it's Malcolm Jenkins in the slot or Jalen Mills in the slot, Sterling Shepard is a really good route runner, very efficient, knows how to sell routes, knows how to sell routes really well. Um, and I think that you have to be careful with him in the slot.
1: What have you seen from Victor Cruz, his first his first year playing yeah. back in two years?
0: Um I think at this point, he's sort of evolved into a number three type receiver. You know, he plays predominantly on the outside. I, I think in an ideal world, he's probably not that guy. But Sterling Shepard is better than he is in the slot.
1: Yeah, and one thing that's always stood out to me about Shepard is, even though he's a little bit smaller, guy is competitive going yep. up and getting the football. He's not afraid to go up. Kind of like how Deshaun Jackson was early yeah. in his career, where even though he was smaller, he'll go up and fight for it. Shepard is also that guy. He's got really good ball skills. He yeah, I keep trying body. to think
0: who he reminds me of, and I— does he remind you of anybody in particular?
1: Well, you know, when he was in Oklahoma, it was the year after Tyler Lockett came out of Kansas State. But I think he's a different player. I, I think he's, be- cause I you think may he's better. I think remember. better. I wasn't a big Tyler Lockett right, fan. Right, right. And I, even though he reminded me of Lockett, I really liked Sterling Shepard. Right. So and, it was and, a little and, bit weird. And maybe.
0: I didn't – I mean, I actually like Shepard far more than Lockett coming out.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting. And then when you talk about this run game, like you said, not a lot of success no. on the ground. That being said, one of their big plays – and we've seen every single offense run this against the Eagles. Shotgun power? and Shotgun power, yes, and yeah. also the trap play. Oh, trap play. The trap yeah. play. The, the, and there was one that I think it was it – was, it may have been Vereen. It might have been against the Redskins in week one. Um, or earlier well, in it's year. a great – beautiful It's picture. a great
0: run against a penetrating D-line and certainly against a penetrating three technique like Fletcher Cox. And you mentioned the other night, I think Elliott had a 15-yard run on trap. And Zach Martin did a great job of making it look like with his first step he would block Cox. And Cox went to basically engage him. And then Martin was gone because it was a trap. And and Fletcher just basically fell to the ground.
1: When was the last time you saw Dallas run a trap play?
0: I. Again. Because that cause I, I don't remember. Down, and that's really, right.
1: really that that's the point, is right. that we've seen every team know know that this is look, right. a, every defense there's always gonna be plays and concepts that work well against that Sure. Option. And now and the trap play is certainly one it, of those plays that works yeah, against this front.
0: Without question.
1: So now let's go to the the Giants' defense, uh, led by a coach that Eagles fans, I think, are familiar with at this point. uh, Defense coordinator Steve Spagnuolo was an assistant coach here for a long time uh, with Jim Johnson, the late, great Jim Johnson. Uh, What have you seen from Spagnuolo? Has he changed at all in terms of what he has always done throughout his career with this team?
0: You know, he's been pretty aggressive this year. And, you know, last year, it's funny, I, I had people tell me, and their defense was historically bad last year, But I've had people tell me, Fran, that he may have done as good a coaching job as anybody in the league last year, given the players that he had to put out there. And I think coaches appreciate that. Maybe fans don't because they look at the, oh, they're 32nd in the NFL and they're giving up all these yards. The coaching must stink. But coaches respect the job he did last year because he was playing with a lot of guys who probably shouldn't be playing in the NFL. And this year, he's been aggressive. You know, he's always been a a guy who's done what we call the Mike Star blitz out of out of Nickel where you you blitz the middle linebacker and the slot called the star. Yep. You know, he's always done that a lot, but he's added so many things this year and I feel like he's he's become very very aggressive. Look, he probably feels good about his corners. I mean, they've got Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins, Rogers Cromarty, the rookie Eli Apple. I mean, they've got guys who can actually line up and match up.
1: We were, I think we talked about this on Sunday. I've tried to figure out what the trend is uh, in terms of the rotation on the outside. That's a, that's a waste of time. I've tried that all year. I could not figure yeah. it out for the life of me that last Thursday, last Friday, as I was watching this defense. Um, but certainly, I agree, because they, they are not afraid to put those guys on the no. island, and those guys are all very gifted players. You know, Jenkins, a little bit different body type than DRC and Eli Apple, who are uh, you know, longer, quicker guys. And what's interesting
0: is, predominantly in their in their nickel. Predominantly. You know, as you say, sometimes they, but it's been Jenkins and Apple, and he's been healthy on the outside, and DRC in the slot, and sometimes it's Hall in the slot. They play dime as well, so you might have DRC and Hall playing inside. Um, you know, Hall is, is one of those sort of, uh, he's kind of a converted outside corner who who can't do that anymore, and now he's kind of a Combination slot slash safety almost, and they blitz
1: him as well. So they have the linebacker Jonathan Cassell. So I think it's developed into a pretty yeah. nice player. Talk about the safety, Landon Collins. You know, because a guy yep. that was uh, it, it was pretty controversial. I don't want to say controversial coming out, but uh, a lot of people were really really high on him. Others, I think, like the both of us saw the good, but also were a little bit worried in terms of he needed to land in the right situation. How do you think he's being used right now in this scheme with Steve Spagnuolo?
0: I think Spags now has the luxury of playing him to his skill set, which he's essentially a box safety. And again, guys who are box safeties, that doesn't mean every snap they're in the box, but he's essentially a box safety. He blitzes him. The one thing that he does do, and he's gotten better at, is he will match up to tight ends if they play man, uh, and he is better at that than he was last year. Um, but for the most part, he's being used as an aggressive, challenging, line-of-scrimmage-type player as opposed to a deep sa- safety. He's not really a single high safety.
1: That was my concern coming out of Alabama. Right. Was, you know, did, he, did he have the range, the, right. the athletic ability to play uh, as a deep third player? the middle of the field.
0: And I don't think he ultimately does. So if you're truly interested as a coordinator in interchangeable safeties, he's probably not your guy. But if you feel that, hey, we have a way to use this guy within the context of what we do, you know, I'm not comparing him at this moment to a Camp Chancellor, but essentially you're you're asking him to fill a similar role
1: that will be very, very interesting, Greg. Uh, appreciate the time, as always, here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Island the Sky podcast. We will talk to you again next week. All right, Fran. Great stuff from Greg. Again, you can follow him on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And, you know, I really appreciate everyone that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's just one way to support the show, though. Because the other way is to go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, wherever you listen, and you give us a rating and you leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to a handful of you out there tonight, Mike and JMC. 29 both left great reviews on our itunes page and commented saying how much they like the show we got a great comment as well from a skeptic skeptic talking about how much he enjoyed our honest discussion and how much he learns from each episode so thanks to all three of you and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings here at philadelphiaeagles.com all right let's keep this show going i told you earlier i wanted to profile a player that has become a huge playmaker For this Giants defense, time to reveal who that is in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so scouting report this week on safety Landon Collins, a player that Greg and I just talked about in Chalk Talk a few minutes ago. And Collins was a guy that coming out of Alabama, he was my number one safety that year, but... With a, a, a little bit, you know, in terms of I need, I needed to see a little bit more, and I told you what my number one concern was, but let's just get into the scouting report. At six foot even, 228 pounds, he started 23 games for Alabama. That's a low number for a safety over a career, but he was a really good special teamer. Obviously, they, they rotate players in and out. He didn't play until his junior season there. And for Nick Saban, he was known as a physical, aggressive safety downhill. He lined up to the field, and he was the dime linebacker. And that was always a big thing for me was you watched how Saban used him. He knew that in passing downs, he was not best fit for playing deep in the secondary. He kept him close to the line of scrimmage. thought that was very telling in terms of how he should be used when he got to the next level. He lined up as an edge rusher at times in some of their sub packages, physical, tough kid, aggressive temperament. Big hitter. You know, at every level of the field, you saw him lay offensive players out uh, in the passing game and in the run game. Runs the alley well. We talked about what, what the alley was a few weeks ago on this podcast on Two Technique. And that's that area between uh, the tackle and the sideline where the safety is going to run down that little gap there between the hash and the numbers. And he's able to make a tackle one on one in the flats. And that was, he did that at a really high level during his time at Alabama. Certainly something that's carried over during his time now with the New York Giants. Very patient, and he understands angles in the run game. Really reliable one-on-one wrap-up tackler. Great motor, made plays in pursuit, definitely does that now with the New York Giants. Overall in man coverage, I thought he was pretty instinctive, shadowed well, was able to read routes and break well on the ball. That was something that I saw during his time at Alabama as well. Greg mentioned earlier that he showed an improved ability to even do that now this year, uh, especially against tight ends for the Giants and Steve Spagnuolo. So that's certainly something interesting to take in. Uh, Showed the ability to play the ball in the air and get it on the ground, and I thought he was a really good blitzer as well for the Crimson Tide. Now, my big question, I mentioned it earlier, was his ability to play in the middle of the field as a single high player and play sideline to sideline. That was my number one issue. You know, athletically, did he have the burst? Did he have the range? Did he have the quickness and change of direction? You know, he wasn't a guy that you were going to play over a receiver on the slot, but could he play at a high level against athletic tight ends and backs out of the backfield, those Darren Sproles type players? That was my question for Landon Collins because he wasn't the most explosive athlete. Well, now you've got a physical, reliable player. He's got the ability to play a couple of different roles as long as they're the right ones. And my lone reservation, like I said, was that range, but I thought he was a plug-and-play player in a box safety role. He has really come into his own this year. He's playing all over the field. He had a pick six uh, against the L.A. Rams a couple weeks ago out in London. Just shows the ability to, to impact the game in both the run and the pass, and they're just using him in a perfect perfect situation for his skill set. So, uh which is always good to see whenever you evaluate guys at the college level seeing them used in a way that you kind of envisioned when you watched them with their college team. But uh great stuff from Greg and all of you out there listening whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you and if you get the time again, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there. I love the ability to answer it on the podcast, and get in-depth on everything and anything that you guys want to know. So wherever you listen, you just go, you shoot us a comment, and wherever you listen to the show, and I will answer it here. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.